Good morning, everyone. I'd like to uh, welcome you back to the City Builders Church this morning. And I'm going to be talking about uh, the power of one. I started to talk about that last week, how important the power of one is, that when we really have unity, when we're really at unity with God, when we're really finding unity with one another than in, in the church, and when church, Christians and, and churches all over are beginning to really find the power of one, things can begin to turn around. And this morning I want to move on and I want to talk some more about that. So this morning we are going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for your church. Your church, the church of the living God. The church that is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you are going to do great things in this time. Even though it's a time of shaking and a time of uncertainty for many people, Lord Jesus, you are working in the hearts of believers, you're working in the hearts of your sons and daughters, and you are working in the church. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about the church in introduction this morning. The church in this generation has a very real and critical assignment. We should never wonder whether the assignment of the church is relative or whether church is relative. Because in every generation, God is doing something powerful. And in this generation, we need to realize that our assignment is real, that it is a, it's really important and it's critical. It is amazing that the church, the status of the church in the nation has been relegated to a non-essential service. Let me tell you that is just a political lie that the most vital agency on the earth is the church of the living God because it is the only place where we can gather corporately under the throne of God and under the Lord of, Lordship of Jesus Christ and it is like there is a portal there, there is a connection there between heaven and earth. And in a time where it seems like hell is breaking out on the earth, we need to be connected to heaven. And this is really the church. The church is an access point. But this morning we need to realize that the church is more relative and more important than ever. And this generation is the emergence of the finishing generation. If you look at it like this in the scripture, Jesus was referred to as the firstborn of many brethren. In other words, he was the only begotten son and he is our Lord and he is our saviour and he is our king and he is in heaven, seated at the right hand of father. But the Bible also calls him the firstborn of many brethren. In other words, he is our older brother. He is the one that has paved the way for, him, for us. He is the apostle and the author of our faith. What Jesus started will eventually come to fulfilment in this finishing generation. So the church in this generation um, has an increasingly difficult and challenging uh, culture to work in. So 50 years ago, the church was very much at the centre of the culture. But gradually, through political manoeuvrings and the working of the spirit realm and our adversary, the devil, the church has been pushed to the outside. 
And now the political powers say, well, the church is a non-essential service. Well, let we have news for them. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I prophesy to you that the greatest days for the church in this nation are right in this era that we are entering into. So the church in this generation has an increasingly great opportunity. When it is darkest, it is our time. You know, we are not called to be fair weather Christians. You know, we are meant to be relative and we are meant to be engaging and we are meant to be salt and light in every generation. But when it is darkest, that is our time. When it is dark, it is time for the sun to rise. And it is time for his sons to rise. As it says in Romans chapter 8, we look around and we see the birth pangs. You know, we see different things happening. We hear of, uh, you know, um, earthquakes and we hear of tsunamis and we hear of weather problems and all these things and pandemics. But the scripture says that this is the birth pangs because God is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God, those that God has really worked in their heart and they have responded to him the right way. At the right time, this generation is able to rise in the nation. The church in this generation has a very real God to follow. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it says in Matthew chapter 123, when the angel came and announced the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel said his name will be called Jesus. And it was the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, 14 that spoke of the name Emmanuel. Now, Jesus was never called Emmanuel. He was called Jesus. But this is like a prophetic picture of who the Messiah was, that he would be God with us, because that is what his name means. So we have a very real God. And you know, the Old Testament believers never got to know God the way that we did. They heard his voice, and they heard the voice of the prophets, but it was external. But in the New Testament, God became flesh himself in the form of Jesus and walked on the earth, taking on the form of a human being and being here just like you, he walked on the earth and it was like God was with us. But it even gets better than that because after Jesus lived his life and lived a sinless life and died the death on the cross and ascended into heaven, the Father poured out the promise of the Holy Spirit on the church and the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside. And now God is more with us than he ever has been in history because he indwells every genuine believer. And this morning, if you are a genuine believer, do you know what I believe? There is such a thing as a nominal believer. You know, they believe that God's there and they might even call themselves a Christian. But when God comes to dwell on the inside, and you know that he's dwelling on the inside of you. You have the very real God who created the heavens and the earth now lives on the inside. You were born again. You are a new creation. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This is a miracle.
And this is the real miracle of, of true, authentic Christianity. So the church in this generation has a very real God. And we also need to know that the church in this generation has very powerful promises. What began with Jesus, then the disciples, will go to the next level in every generation. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, that the promise is to you and it is to your children and to all the generations that are far off and as many as our God shall call. So if God calls you and you are able to say, yes, I receive you as my Lord and Saviour, then God the Father can plant the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and he can become a very real force on the inside of you. This is really what it means to be a true Christian. We have very powerful promises. And Jesus said to his disciples, you know, when you look back at the accounts of Jesus and his disciples in the Gospels, it was very powerful. But in uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus made a promise to his disciples. He said, you are going to do greater works than me. And this is the promise, even greater works. I mean, Jesus rose the dead and Jesus healed lepers. Jesus preached the kingdom. Jesus was uh, an agent of incredible change in his generation and still is. Yet Jesus said to his disciples, you will do greater things than I. And in these days, I believe that God, you know, through, the, through his son Jesus, in this time was looking forward and he was saying, generations far off are going to do things even greater. Even greater things will the church do. Even greater things. It's also important to note that the church in this generation has a very real adversary. And that is not a person, but it is the prince of darkness. It, it is the devil. It is our adversary, our, uh, the, the, the devil of old. And, you know, we don't like to even uh, acknowledge that. But the reality is that if you look around the world, you can see the impact of demonic powers. You can see the work of the devil. In some parts of the world, you see people really broken down and down and out with poverty. That is the work of the devil. And in our own nation, we can see a young generation that have completely lost their way and are addicted to substances and other things. This is the work of the devil. And Jesus, when he came into the earth, the Bible says uh, that Jesus was manifest, came into the earth to destroy the works of the evil one. This is the assignment of the church. And in the way that God has called us to, to do it in this city and in this region, that is our assignment in a nutshell. So the church in this generation has a very real assignment has, has uh, an increasingly challenging culture to work in, yet an increasingly great opportunity. You know, I want to highlight that because we should never be bored in church. And everybody said, amen, we should never be bored in church. We should be really connecting with what God wants to do because we are living in the most exciting eras. And we are living 
The church in this generation has access to a very real God. We have very powerful promises and we have a very real adversary. I just wanted to talk about the times we're in because I really believe that right now, you know, there is opposition. You know, uh, the churches in the nation seem to be marginalised and to a degree, I believe it is, you know, I wouldn't quite call it persecution, but it seems that the pubs are open, the restaurants are open, but what about the church of the living God? Now, I want to say this, something is about ready to happen because that is just not right. And the Bible says that God is not mocked. God is going to do what he said he would do. You know, when seed is sown, there's going to be a harvest. So I want to tell you that the church is about ready to open up right across this nation. Something wonderful is about ready to happen. And I believe that this is the beginning of a new move. As we've passed through, you know, this uh, Passover this year and Pentecost, Looking forward to this time of the year, we have known that this is a season in God. But right now, we are stepping into a powerful new era. And everybody said, you know, this is your new era. This is my new era. This is our time to shine. So God is about ready to do something. It is not any one group, and it is not everybody that believes but it is a next-level believers' movement. Do you know what? There's something happening out there, and I believe it is like a wave is coming. There's a wave. You know, when you look out to the ocean, you can look out and it might seem everything's calm, but then you see a swell. And that can develop into a powerful wave that you can surf on. And I really believe this is what is happening in God in this nation right now, that there is a swell on the horizon and it is going to develop into a full-on wave that is going to do something wonderful in our nation. Just, uh, you know, this weekend we have gathered with people all over the nation to pray from all different denominations on Zoom. And, you know, it's, it's just like we hardly even put the invite out and next thing there are hundreds of people gathering why? Because they are concerned for their nation. Listen, I believe something has gone wrong with the government in this land. You know, in the government of the land, we have the good and we have the bad and then we have the even worse. And that is really the situation. I'm not saying that everybody in government is bad, but I tell you what, there is a big fail happening in our nation. And, and sometimes I wonder, God, why is this happening? Why is there so much restriction? And I really believe it's because God has not got what he wants from the church. God wants his body to come together. God wants the church of the living God to raise up and to be that one-man company that he is going to use in the last days. You know, if you look at Ezekiel chapter 37, it is a very powerful prophecy about how God called the servant of God. He took him up into the spirit and he began to show him a valley of bones. Dry bones, dead bones in a valley. And, you know, this valley represents, you know, historically the nation of Israel. But now when we read it in the New Testament, it represents guess who? Who? It represents us. It represents the church. It represents the church that God is raising up in this time. His last day's church. 
And you know, uh, God asked the prophet, he said, can these bones live? And the prophet said, well, only you know, Lord. And he said, well, prophesy, speak to the bones. And as the prophet began to speak, the Bible talks about how something began to happen. There was a, a breath that came. There was a rattling of the bones. And the bones begin to stand up. Flesh began to come on. And it says that this became an exceedingly great army. God brought all these bones together. And I tell you, in this season, that is what God is doing in the church of the living God. God is gathering that people together. And, it, and it's like a new level or a next level believer's movement. Who would want to be just a regular believer in church? Who would want to be called just a nominal believer? But we are called to be the church of the living God. That is who we are called to be. These ones that I'm talking about have moved past the self-life to access and demonstrate the power of one. Do you know, it's interesting, I've been following Jesus all my married life. I've been going after him in a wholehearted and a dedicated way. And I've seen a lot of things, but I really believe that the biggest frustration that I have seen is that when you look at the church, it is like a valley of dry bones. And for all the potential that God has given us, which I explained at the start of this message, we haven't really seen it. But I believe now is the time. Now is the day. Now is the time for us to say yes. Now is the time for us to stand up in faith and become everything that God has called us to be. God has given us very real and powerful promises, but we need to be able to rise up and say yes and amen to everything that God has said over our life. This is what we need, the power of one. And this morning I am praying, and over these weeks, that this church would have the power of one. And we would, through our alliances and our partnerships with other men of God, other churches like us, that really believe that Jesus is the answer in this generation, that we would come together in such a way that we would experience the power of one. You know, there's a word in the Bible, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, the actual Greek word is the word ekklesia, which means governing authority. It is sort of like the way that God designed his church is to be the center the government house of his kingdom on the earth. This is powerful. But the problem is we forgot the story. We haven't spent enough time getting a revelation of what that really means. And when we begin to understand what God has called his church to be, we can become so much more. In fact, the church of the living God, when it begins to rise, the way that I'm talking about, it will become an unstoppable force. Amen. I really, uh, you know, pray that our politicians and our governmental leaders do well, make the right decisions, make wise decisions, but I cannot hang my hopes on, on a political leader or a government or a political party, either of them or any of them. 
the only one that I can really trust with my destiny and my future is the Lord God himself. You know, the founder of the church of the living God. I believe that in the last days, in the future, God is going to bring answers to society through churches like this. I can honestly say this morning, we are not the only ones. We are a part of the restoration work that God is doing in, in the earth. Just this weekend, we sent out the invite to just a few people to pray for our nation, to pray for the elections in Queensland and some of the crazy things that are going on up there. And it was like from nowhere, hundreds of people came. I tell you what, God is gathering the bones together. You know, the breath of God is breathing. The prophetic word is going out and beginning to gather the nation together. This is such an incredible, incredible time to be alive. Is that right? Amen. It's very good. So let's talk for a minute about some of the things that the word does say about this. Firstly, some of the scriptures I talked about last week. In Psalm 133, it says, where there is unity, if you, could, if you want to say it like this, where there is the power of one, God commands a blessing. You know, you imagine that if you behave in a certain sort of way that meets the requirement of God in heaven, the Bible says that God commands his blessing. Amen? This is very good. God will command his blessing. Now, you know, what's blessing? I tell you what, this is how I understand blessing. You know, sometimes you can bless someone. You can say something nice over them. You know, or at a christening or at a dedication, you can bless the child. But this is something far greater than that. Blessing is where God literally comes to envelop you and even inhabit you. And this is where we become one with God. And the scripture says here that where there is unity, where two come together in agreement, something is established. Amen? Last week we preached on uh, the heart cry of Jesus in John chapter 17, verse 21, where he prayed regarding his disciples. He said, I pray that you would become one just as we are one. You know, the perfect picture of unity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the Trinity. Three persons, one God. And it's amazing to watch through the Scriptures the inseparable nature of the three, of God the Father, God the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. And that's the way that God made us. You know, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. And, and you know, uh, sometimes we can be so divided on the inside, but God wants us to be at one with ourselves also. Uh, the biggest challenge really in this time is bringing people together. But do you know what? God's doing something in the earth. He's doing something in every church. You know, on our um, a prayer meeting this weekend, one pastor spoke about how many years ago, a pastor uh, from a church in Jarvis Bay, how his wife decided to answer the call for prayer. And she rolled out of bed one morning and said, I'm going to start praying for our church and our city. And now many, many years later, the whole church is praying, not four mornings a week, but every morning of the week, and have done that for years. 
But do you know what it has resulted? It's brought the church to life. It's brought people together. And, and you know, it's brought increase. So when we begin to come together and we're one with God and we are one with another, we will see something happening in our city. And, you know, when we move it out of our own establishment here and we begin to connect with other people who have a like mind and a light spirit, it's like we are extending the covering and the blessing across the city. And instead of just covering a local congregation, God can begin to cover cities. You know, this weekend we gathered with hundreds of leaders from across Victoria and Australia. If we pray like that and we continue to push in like that, it is creating a covering across the nation that becomes impenetrable. And God can bless each family. God can bless each city. God can bless the nation in Jesus' name. So this is very powerful. Now, last week I spoke about the importance of the power of one. And I also raised some issues that stop or hinder us from becoming one the way that God has called us to be. And I just wanted to revisit them and go deeper into them again. So, so we're going to talk about obstacles to the power of one. And the first one is this, past hurts and bad experiences. We need to be able to deal with the past in an accurate and complete manner. Do you know what? Every one of us has a past. Every one of us has hurts that come from the past. And sometimes those hurts are far worse for one person than another. Yet God gives us a responsibility. You see, God has given us a way out. He's given us very powerful promises. In other words, God has come to live on the inside and we can either be conscious of God living on the inside of me or our mind can be so attached to what happened in the past. In, uh, chapter, in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2.25, I'll just uh, abridge this a little bit. It's, it's talking about a servant of the Lord. A servant of the Lord must be able to correct those who are in opposition if God will be able to grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2.25. If you go back and you look at that whole verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 to 26, it's really talking about how the process of discipleship is meant to bring us to a place. So when we come to Christ, the next thing that we need to do is involve ourselves and engage ourselves in the process of discipleship. Nobody really told me I had to do this. I was just very fortunate after I came to the Lord that I found people who I believe genuinely wanted to help me. So I didn't resist them. I got involved in the process and I became you know, uh, a student in the sense. I remember in our first couple of years doing a video Bible school and I was hungry for it. And it seemed that every word came to me, brought life to me. You know, this is how our heart needs to be. When we come to Christ, that we are always looking to go further. But you see, if our mind is back in the past and we you know, are back there and we are continually being pulled back there, 
we can oppose the process. And here it says, a servant of the Lord must be able to correct those who are in opposition. You know, sometimes people want to go forward. I've really found this to be the case. They want to go forward, but it's like there's something on the inside that keeps pulling them back. This is the old life. This is the past. And, you know, sometimes the past can look attractive, but it's deceptively attractive. You know, when the uh, Israelites were delivered from Egypt and, and they got out into the wilderness, you know, there were powerful promises of destiny over their life, but they kept looking back to Egypt. And even though there were slaves back there, and they were making bricks back there, and they were living under oppression, they were in this situation where they thought, we want to go back. Listen, God wants us to go forward. And sometimes there is this battle on the inside, particularly for people who have been really hurt, really damaged, where they want to go back the way they were. And I remember in my early days where I really started to find God, I would make Two steps forward and it would be like I made three back because there was something pulling me back. It was my past. You know, I tell you what, your past wants to own you. You know, God owns you. Jesus has shed his blood for you. The Bible says that you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You are now adopted into his family. But sometimes in our own thinking, we're thinking of the past and we are being pulled back and, you know, there is this opposition, but God wants to, through the process of leadership that is given to us, take us forward. And I found that as I've continued to move forward in my journey like this, everything that is being opposed to me, which is mainly my own self and my own self-consciousness, I've been able to break through it. Do you know what? God wants you to break through. He wants the, the, the past to be cut off. And really, spiritually, when you have genuinely become a Christian, that is what's happened. Your past has been cut off so that you can move forward into your destiny. Don't deal with your past in an incomplete manner. You know, go for everything that is holding you back because God wants to bring you forward. And you know, some people, last week I spoke how different people are coming from different directions. And if we will allow God to change us on the inside, you know, what is it on the inside of you that would oppose you coming into your destiny? Maybe it is the way that you've always thought, the way you've always lived life. Maybe it is the negative experiences that you had in the home. Maybe it's mistakes you made or mistakes that people made around you. You know, God has given you a way out. God has given you his Holy Spirit and now you can begin to move forward into your destiny. This is obstacle number one, past hurts and bad experiences. Don't let your past stop you. Amen, you've got a future. Embrace your future. Say yes to your future. Say uh, say yes to the God who is calling you forward. Number two, the second thing that holds us back from the power of one is old patterns. Old ways that relate to our previous life. Thought life, behavioral patterns. You know, uh, when we're out there, 
living like God wasn't there, we learned to live in a certain sort of a way. But now we have come into the kingdom and there are new patterns and there are new ways that need to be established. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is not something that happens by accident. It is something happens by intent and design. God wants you to break through. But you see, your mind needs to be renewed. Your spirit needs to be made strong. You know, the way that you used to relate in the world may not uh, be appropriate in the kingdom of God. God wants to change that. He wants to turn that around. He wants to put a new pattern on the inside of you. And, you know, Jesus is our pattern for living. One of the things that, you know, you can acknowledge when you look at creation is you see a pattern. You see a design. And when we look through the scriptures at the temple and, the, you know, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the temple in the Old Testament, there was a specific design. This is talks about patterns for living. And, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus is our pattern. He has set the standard. So we need to allow Jesus to change us on the inside, to revolutionize our thinking. Do you know your thinking can move from being negative to being faith-filled? You know, your heart can move from being fear, uh, fearful to having boldness. You know, you can move from having bitterness in your life to having forgiveness and love. Why? Because God is putting something new on the inside. But we have got to intentionally decide, I need to lay a new foundation. I need to set a new pattern on the inside of me. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Let me talk about it. When you became a Christian, God came to live on the inside of you. But now, according to the scripture, you can live in him. You know, we can live here on my own, uh, you know, living in my own world with my own thinking going on, but I can take a step of faith and it is like I am now living in him. I am part of him. I am one with him and my thinking begins to change. So this is something we need to work on. You know, if your thinking never changes, you can't change the way that you live. If your thinking never changes, but God wants us to break through in every area of our life, in our relationships, you know, in our work, in our uh, attitude to finance, in our endeavors in life, in our marriages, in our families, God wants us to break through. You know, he wants us to go to the next level. So we can conform to the world and live in the realm of negativity, fear, and all these things, you know, uh, uh, like patterns that really restrict our way of living, or we can break through into the new. What will it be? So we need to address inaccurate or old patterns. New patterns can be established. And I wanted to warn you this morning that religion is a cheap counterfeit. You know, religion has all the external trappings, but there's no internal change. You know, we put on a good display for people out there, but internally, 
the old patterns are still alive and well. The flesh is still alive and well. You know, there are patterns. You know, it's just me and, and no one else knows, but I can't break through these things. But do you know what? When you recognize something in your life that is contradictory to Christ, you can, by faith, nail that to the cross. You can put that on the cross and you can begin to move forward into your destiny. All patterns mustn't control our future. So uh, the third one this morning is inaccurate present positions. Sometimes we can have inaccurate present positions that just hold us and stop us from moving forward to becoming one with God, one with his body, and one with those that we're called to walk with. What we have attached ourselves, ourselves to in the past can become a hindrance in the future. If you are the type of person who is inclined to hold strong positions on issues, you must make sure that you are holding the right one. Do you know what? I can be so strong on an opinion and strongly wrong. Amen. This is no joke. This is human nature. This is the way that we are. But sometimes I see like people rusted on to a position that is causing them to be unfruitful. And it is like they are in a rut. But God wants us to break through our rut. You know, God wants us to shake uh, those things loose. You know, uh, it's like, some, have you ever seen a rusty gate and you try and open that gate, but it's all rusted shut? Sometimes we are like that as believers because we've become set in a certain position. But God wants to get us moving again. God wants to get us going again. Why? Because he has more for us. So inaccurate present positions will stop us from coming into that place where we have the power of one. So one person can be believing for a miracle and the next person can be thinking, oh, that would never happen. That has not been my experience or that will not happen now. And everything breaks down. But when the two become one and when we really begin to stand together in faith, things can open up, things can begin to change. I really believe that one of the greatest enemies of every new thing that God does can be and often are the ones used in the previous move. This is very interesting. The disciples of John the Baptist at one stage were the cutting edge, but in the next generation they became the resistors of Jesus. This is where we've got to let go of the positions we hold so dearly, particularly when it comes to the way that God is moving. We need to be able to let go and move forward. Here's a couple of scriptures about that in Luke chapter 7, verse 18. The disciples of John reported to, <clears throat> to John the things that Jesus was doing. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, Are you the one or do we look for another? I really find this amazing because John baptized Jesus and prophesied, that he was coming and he knew he said there is one coming after me he's going to baptize you with the holy ghost and fire and i'm not worthy you know to baptize him i'm not worthy 
this same man sent his disciples to us. Do you see how that happens? Because, you know, in one generation we can represent the move of God, but in the next generation God has already moved on. You know, in Luke chapter 7, uh, you know, Jesus told his disciples how the disciples of John had become critical of the disciples of Jesus because they were fasting. These ones were eating. These ones were abstaining from strong drink. These ones were drinking. You see, this is the difference between one move and the next. And it's amazing when you look through history that we have so many different denominations. You know, because people tend to park and say, this is the move. I'm part of the move. There is no other move, but God is already moving on. You know, we need to let go of our inaccurate present positions. Any strong doctrine that stops you from moving forward with God needs to be let go. Outdated revelation, we must connect to the now word. That is the accelerant of the new move. In this season, God is releasing a now word and we need to be able to connect with that word and own that word and become the word so that we can accelerate a new move. Leadership must be continually updated, prophetic and revelatory. You know, this is really great. I, I'm very thankful for the leadership that I'm connected to. That is cutting edge. You know, my spiritual father, I've known him now for 25 years. And every year that I go back to see him, it's like he's gone to the next level. Amen. He's gone to the next level. He's, gone, he's had breakthroughs. He's had increase. He's bringing a fresh word. He's stayed on target, but he's never changed. He speaks prophetically and with revelatory wisdom. You know, this is the leadership that we must be connected to in the hour because God wants to make us one with him. Do you know what? If we want to be one with him, then we can be one with others. You know, we've got to be one on the inside, healed on the inside, connected to God so that the power of one, the grace to receive the power of one is being released into our experience. Number four this morning. Uh, one of the obstacles to the power of one is ceasing your prophetic journey. We don't enter in because we can't see that far. You know, it's really remarkable. God delivered a whole nation out of Egypt with signs and wonders and miracles. A cloud by a day, fire by night, night, supernaturally provided for them. You know, God did so much and fulfilled his promises to that generation. Do you know what? It was 11 days walk from Egypt to the promised land. But it took 40 years and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, you imagine that, that your destiny is 11 days down the road, but you are unable to enter in because you just keep going in circles. And this is what a lot of people are like. God does not want us. He does not want you or me to go in circles any longer. He wants us to go and he wants us to enter in to our destiny. What God had to do here is he had to raise up an entirely new generation because they were stuck. The old generation, the old guys, you know, the old charismatics that got delivered way back when 
was stuck in the old move. But God now is wanting us to move in. He's wanting us to uh, be a generation that crosses over to take over. This is who God wants us to be. You know, uh, Moses was a mighty deliverer in his generation, but he raised up Joshua, who was a city taker. And in this generation, God is going to do something entirely new. Amen? Because he wants us to enter in. God had to raise an entirely new generation. Do you know why 40 years? 40 years represents a generation. And that generation had to pass away. Do you know what? Even Moses himself, he touched the border. But God had to raise up new leadership to enter in. You know, what will you be? Don't stop on your prophetic journey. Set your eyes on destiny. You know, this is a real key to life because God has a destiny that is set for every individual. He has a destiny for you. You know, uh, I discovered this early on in the peace, that God was in charge of my life, that God leads me. You know, he's my leader, he's my guide. And he is. And you know what that does? Knowing that puts a sense of destiny on the inside of you. You know, you need a sense of destiny. You need to know that God is leading me, that God is going to bring me through, that God is going to deliver me, and that God is going to cause me to cross over and enter in and to possess the land that he has for me. You know, God's got a destiny for this church. And it's more than us just being here. It is God raising the church in stature so that it becomes everything that God called us to be. You know, we need a heart like Joshua. Joshua had a different spirit. He had a different attitude. He had a different way of seeing things. In Numbers chapter 13, there, Moses sent out spies to have a look at the promised land. But, you know, most of them came back and said, oh, look, there's giants in the land. Yep, the land abounds with fruit and honey. It's a great place. But we can't do it. There's giants. Two men stood up. Joshua and Caleb, and they silenced the crowd, and they said, we are well able to go up and take the land. Now, I tell you what God is looking for, and I prophesy this to you, that in this nation of Australia, God is raising up that Joshua and Caleb generation that are going to begin to say, we are well able to cross over, enter in and take the land. You know, Australia is a land of destiny. It's a land that has been spoken prophetically since the year 1606 when de Kuros was the first man to sight these great southern lands. God has a plan. Now he is looking for people who will partner with him and come into agreement with him and come into agreement with one another so that we can enter in and finish the assignment that God has given us. But you see, the warning is here is that many stopped along the way. Many lost sight of their destiny. Many just saw things the way they were with a natural eye. But we've got to learn to look with different eyes. We've got to learn to look with the eyes of the Spirit. You know, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, you know, that... Uh, we don't look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are unseen. 
Do you know what? If you want to continue on your prophetic journey to enter into everything that God has for you, you must develop the ability to see the unseen. It's to see what God sees. It is to believe what God says. And it is to experience what God wants us to experience. This is a great day for the church in their nation. You know, many are caught in the wilderness, wandering around, battling their mentalities. Do you know what kept them in the wilderness? The way they thought. The way they thought about their leadership. You know, Aaron and Miriam had a good old bellyache about Moses. But God was raising up a different generation, a generation that were clean, that were able to enter in and complete the assignment. Do you know what? God's given us a very real assignment in Australia, and it is to see this nation turn around. But it cannot happen unless we have the power of one. The power of one is a not negotiable. So God had to raise an entirely new generation could see things. You know, it's really interesting because God wants to bring us together. And, you know, in groups of people, there are always two groups. There are those that move forward. There are those that think about it. And then there are those who say, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. The giants are too big. Or sometimes they are like those people that I were talking about. They're opposing themselves. They want to move forward to their destiny, but it's like the enemy is able to pull the chain of their past. God wants us to enter in. God wants to set you free into your destiny. God wants us to experience the power of one. One with him and one with one another. And one with a wider body of Christ. I'm not just talking about the religious church. I'm talking about the church of the living God that God is raising up in the nation. Do you know the little story to help illustrate this point is that in my younger days, much younger, I used to run marathons. That's a whole 26.2 mile. And I used to love running these marathons. In it, Actually, when I started the race, races, I normally would enjoy them. Towards the end, they could be quite painful. But one of the keys to doing well in long-distance marathon running is you've got to keep contact with the lead group because the lead group are running and on pace to approach the winning line in winning time. And, and you know, when you're tired... And when you're struggling, there is a tendency to drop back and think that you can pick it up later. But God wants us to remain connected to the lead group. I tell you, I'm so thankful for the leader that God has put in my life. I am a pastor who has had 30 years experience. But one of the things I've learned in my life is that every man, every leader, particularly those that are leading other people, needs to be easy to lead. Amen. Those that can be led and, and demonstrate a teachable and humble spirit make the best leaders. Amen. But the point is this morning, connect to the lead group. Connect to the ones that are breaking through in different areas. Connect to the people that are bringing a now word. And disconnect from those that are pulling you a different way. See, we need to connect to the right group. 
You know, we need to be connected to the right crowd that is going in the right direction. This is the key. God wants us to be one. God wants us to be one. So many cease their prophetic journey because they, for some reason, lose contact. And sometimes it is because there is an opposition. It's something that they've never really been set free from. Quite often it is just a poor self-esteem, not able to forgive themselves for things that have happened in their past, thinking I'll never measure up to the standard that is required. All these things are not from God, but they are lying thoughts that will keep you attached to your past and they will stop you from moving forward into the great destiny. They'll cause you to abort your prophetic journey. There is a real key in Philippians 3.12. Paul the Apostle, he said this. Paul was a man who had an amazing uh, record of engagement with the God of heaven. But he gives a key to his success in his apostleship on this earth. He said, I press towards the goal. I press towards. This is how... You keep oneness. You keep pushing forward. You keep moving forward. You don't quit. You don't back off. You don't let your fears take over. You don't let your negativities take over. You don't let your emotions take over. But you press toward the goal. You press toward the goal that God has for you. And do you know what the goal is? It's an upward call with incredible reward. Not while you get to heaven on this earth. Our God is a God who rewards those who diligently seek Him. The last point, the last reason why we find it difficult to to embrace the power of one is what I would call the spirit of independence. And God is dealing with this. This is a human problem. Independence is a human problem. On my journey to being a pastor and a leader, I have been at times a very independent person. I've been involved in marathon running and I used to go and run for miles and miles on my own. It was independent action. But in a way, it was great training for the ministry. But you see, God doesn't want us to be alone. God doesn't want us to carry through our lives a spirit of independence. A spirit of independence will keep you out of the place of unity with the body of Christ. You know? And church leaders can be very independent. Pastors can be very independent. So this is a human problem. But this is also an Australian problem. Australia as a nation has its roots in rejection. And rejection can cause you to have a spirit of independence. It's like no one has really believed in me, so I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to live life on my own. And, you know, these are what you call insecurities. And fear is at the root. But God wants us to deal with our fears. You see, if we never deal with our fears, we'll never break through into the fullness of everything that God has got for us. You know, it's good to be able to think independently and to stand alone if you need to. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago about 
uh, what it means to have an excellent spirit and how Joseph and his friends in Babylon were able to do that. But when it comes to the church of the living God, God wants us to have the power of one. So we need to be able to overcome our fears and our anxieties, our insecurities, and particularly rejection. Do you know what? You can't really love someone else the way that you are meant to while you have a root of rejection in your life. Because what you will do, you will reject yourself, you'll withdraw from the group before the group can show their disapproval of you. This is a lying spirit. You know, whenever there is a root of rejection, there is a lying spirit. And many young people in this nation have got a a, a spirit of independence and they definitely have a root of rejection in their life. And you often hear where some of them have uh, taken the ultimate step of taking their own life. Why? Because there's a root that you can never see. Often these people are the life of the party and you would think they've got it all together. But on the inside, they can't connect. They, they are not able to become one. Do you know what Jesus prayed? He said, I pray you would become one, just like me and my father are one. You know, when we become one with God and on, on the inside of us, if we become one with God on the inside, then we can relate the way that God wants us to in the body of Christ. You know, many spend building in their own little corner. Pastors are the worst at this. You know, that we can spend uh, much of our time building in our own corner. You know, as I came up as a young pastor, you know, I had my own ideas about how things should happen. And it didn't always meet with approval from those who had gone before me. And I guess that is because by nature, I'm a type of pioneer. But you know what it made me do at times? I had to overcome my insecurities. I had to push in. I had to connect. And you know, particularly when I met my spiritual father, I had to break down the boundaries in my own life that would stop me from success. See, this is an Australian problem. And the enemy tries to isolate you on your own. You know, it's what he does. He tries to get you off on your own and there you're very vulnerable. So the enemy tries to isolate you. Do you know this? Aussies are capable and called to much, much, much more than what they're experiencing today. It's amazing how this pandemic has isolated people. It is not good. This morning I am praying with my whole heart and declaring that whatever is stopping this state of Victoria from opening right up from business, it's going to be exposed and removed in the name of Jesus. The time to open up is here for the church. It is wrong to have the brothels open and the abortion clinics open and every other thing open and the church is restricted. That is marginalization. That is political persecution. And it is coming to an end. God is saying, open up, let my people go. And I believe this morning I'm saying that on behalf of the Lord. Back to Aussies. Aussies are capable and called to much, much more. But you can't do it on your own. Aussies can stand alone. They're people of character. But you know, when you look back at the Anzacs in the trenches, they became an inseparable and formidable combination. This is the heart of Australia. 
The spirit of independence must go to the cross. And you know, we must have a spirit of interdependence. It's not like I'm dependent on you and you are dependent on me, but we are connected. It's like God has woven us together as an incredible uh, mosaic, as a, uh, you know, as a picture that he can present to the community. You know, when we really begin to gather together the way that God has called us to be, something will begin to break. You know, when different tribes begin to come together, when the indigenous people gather with the white people and begin to overcome things, you know, I'm not talking about political reconciliation, but when the, uh, you know, different tribes and big, different nations begin to come together and gather together and repent together before God and break bread together, I tell you what, the nation can turn. And in this day, God is going to turn this nation around. Australia, this is our time. City Builders Church and everybody that's connected with us, this is your time. And even everybody who's like us, the remnant church, this is your time. God is going to begin to turn things around. God is bringing the remnant church together. He's bringing people who would not normally have stood together before. He's bringing them together for a holy purpose. And these ones will have the power of one. They will stand shoulder to shoulder and they'll stand in the prayer room. They will link their shields and they will speak to principalities and powers as one man. This is the church that is emerging. You know, it's like we have our local church, but the local church now is giving way to the regional church, to the city church, and even to the nationwide church that will stand together and as one voice, we will speak to the principalities and powers that have shut down the nations and we will declare, open up. Amen. And they will. It's time. You know, I, I saw, I've, over this last couple of weeks, I've seen a picture in my mind as I've prayed. And I believe there are four waves. And the first one is about ready to hit. The first one is a red wave. Amen? The first one is a red wave. The second one, I believe, which is coming shortly after, is an open up wave. God is going to begin to open things again. The third wave, I believe, is a wave of awakening. There's going to be an awakening. It's like the blinkers are coming off the eyes of the believers, or sorry, the unbelievers, and the believers alike. There's going to be a veil taken away. That is the third wave. It is an awakening. The fourth wave is the glory wave. I believe that as people gather together in unity as one, there is going to be uh, a, a, an incredible presence. It's going to be like heaven open and the glory of God is going to be there. And later on will be the fifth wave. And this is a wave of God's grace into the nation and the nations where many, many workers are going to go out into the field. We are going to see a mighty harvest. We are going to see a move of God that is going to affect the nation from the top to the bottom. And I want you to know that every leader in our nation that is not acting out of integrity before God, God will in his time turn it on his head. He will expose things because God is going to bring his government in this nation. In the season ahead, there is an increase 
of the government of God. This great south land belongs to Jesus and the church is rising to take its place in the nation. I am so glad that I am here today. I'm so glad that you are part of this and I'm especially thankful for all the people rising across the nation who with one voice are beginning to speak up. God is doing something. God saves the best wine until the last. I just wanted to read from you uh, right now as we begin to finish this service. And this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And the Apostle Paul, talking to the church in Ephesus, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. This is amazing. I love this. It's like this is opening up to me more and more. There's one body. And our church, our little church here in the country is part of the body of Christ. There's one body and there is one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord. One Lord, can you hear that? And there's only one name by which we can be saved. His name is Jesus. There is only one faith, one faith, one baptism. Doesn't matter where you're baptised. There's only one. And that's the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That is where you become baptised into the body of Christ, where you become one with him. There's one God and Father of all. How many gods are there? Well, you can go to India and they tell me you're 30 million. You know, next time you go, there'll probably be 50 million. But the nation is in wreck and ruin. Let me tell you how many gods there are. One God, one Father of all. And his name is Jesus Christ, who is above all and through all and in you all. How about we just pray together? Father, I thank you this morning. Lord God, I thank you that you want to bring a new oneness into our lives, into our church, into our experience. Father, I pray, Lord God, where it seems that we are opposed to ourselves, where we have fear, where we have rejection, and even where we have independence, Lord God. Father, that you would help us to break the power of that. Father, I pray the prayer of Jesus. I pray that you would make us one just as he is one. Amen. Not only here in this church, but in the city and in the region, in the nation. I thank you for what you're doing. You're bringing your people together. You're bringing people home. Look, it's been really wonderful that uh, you've been here with us this morning. And I believe that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, there's going to be some waves. And one of those waves is going to be waves of awakening. And this is going to happen and will be even happening now where many begin to think, I've got to get back to my destiny. I've got to get back to God. You know, maybe you're listening to the message this morning and that's you. Then I would just like you, if you've never ever invited Christ in your life, 
for the very first time that I would love it if you would pray this prayer after me. It would be my greatest honour to lead you to salvation and a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ and that he is crucified and he's risen from the dead and he is Lord. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask right now that he would come into my life as my personal Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and will worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and cleansed by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, it's a wonderful thing. At the end of every service on Sunday, it's like I can just feel him here. And that is because he wants to help us become everything he's called us to be. But that is also because he wants to draw you back to himself. You know, if you felt the touch of God on your life, and you know, particularly if you prayed that prayer, then I really want to invite you to find us on our website. Please make contact and we would be lucky, absolutely uh, uh, so happy to, and honoured to help you on the next leg of your journey of faith. God bless you. Have a great day.